The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. It's Derek C. Apollo with my partners in crime tonight. John Crane and Jared Tennis. First, getting to Jared. How are you, man? Doing good tonight. You know, I mean, I guess sad a little bit. Season's uh, season's over, but we got playoff baseball, and that's always a fun time of the year. Except the Angels aren't playing, right? Yeah, except for the Angels yeah, aren't playing. That's, that's the bummer. It's playoff that's baseball. It's still, still fun. John, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, B- baseball is over in Los Angeles. We don't have any more baseball in Los Angeles uh, till next spring. So that's how oh, I'm looking at it. Baseball's done. It's no like, baseball. It's, Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah. Angeles. Los Angeles. <laughs> well, hold on. You're not. You are not even acknowledging that team from Chavez Ravine, are you? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, Los Oh, that's Jeez, right. Jeez, you're forgetting all about them. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, it's over for me. All it's over for me. I'm, 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 I'm. I don't know. It's gonna be tough this year. Last year, last year I rooted for Houston. You know, I rooted for Houston, but I got, I got sour taste in my mouth for Houston this year. So I, I'm on, I'm on board Yankees. I don't know what I'm gonna do if it's Houston and the Dodgers. That's a tough. That's gonna be a tough series for me. Houston Dodgers. Oh, jeez. I, I don't want to see that series again, guys. I don't want to see. I, we saw it once already. We know how it's gonna go. I want Yankees Dodgers. That's uh, you want the classic series, yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Jared, which one do you want? Uh, I'll take good baseball, but I mean, Nationals look really good. The Braves are interesting. I mean, it's nothing set in the NL, but I, I mean, it, it's it would be bad if the Astros didn't make it to the World Series. Some some dramatic would have to happen if the Astros didn't make it to the World Series this year. Which it's playoff baseball; anything could happen. So. I'll say I want to see Astros Braves this year. Mix it up a little bit. Ooh. Astros Braves. Nah, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't I want see, to see that. Yeah, the Braves I know are 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 the Dale Murphy, Bob Horner. Uh, you know, I I know the Braves from the '80s, America's team. I haven't really been following them much these uh, this last couple decades. So uh, I do, I did, I did really like that team because that was back in that day. That was a team that was America's team because they were on a national network before national networks, before all the other teams were on national networks. We just had game of the weeks, and um, so. Wow, you sound really old. I, I yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. I had to throw that at you. Turn- I had to turn the channel. I had to get up and turn the channel when I wanted to turn the game on. <laughs> oh, and one That's more not thing. That's true, actually. That was well, no, it, it, stop it. It's true. You know it's freaking true. You know, you know, you, you, you were the guy who was, you were like the Al Bundy character 
who was sitting in front of the TV, that old couch, and you didn't quite want to reach up to change channels, so you had one of those like cane-looking things with a button push end on it to push the button on the TV. You know that was you. You know that was totally Listen, you. I was the kid who turned, got up and turned the channel. I was a kid at that point, so I was young. But uh, oh, uh, TBS God. is a cable channel, so we did have cable at that time. So. The old school TBS. Remember when USA used to play like it was it Rhonda, whatever her name was, on at night when all those B minus movies that were on TV then for USA Network. Remember, was that, is that what you're talking about? I'm talking cable. Oh, yeah, that was her yeah, name. Now, now I have too many name? channels to even know how many I have. I have yeah. no idea. They're everywhere. All right, so Jared just sit back. Oh man, these guys sound old. Yeah. What the heck is this? <laughs> Yeah, what, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> it, should be, it should be before your time, Sonny. Before your, <laughs> this is back when the Dodgers last won a World Series. Exactly. It's exactly when the Dodgers last won a World Series. All right, so as we, as we move in here, well, first, you know, obviously it's been a week since we talked to you guys, so we have a lot to say. Lost and brewing here. Before we do, we want to ask you to head over to iTunes, Apple Music, leave us that five star review. Really appreciate it. If you think we need to earn it, great. That's fine. Send us an email at talkingtohalesgmail.com. Give us your feedback. And you happen to be a new listener, if you happen to be, please let us know how we're doing. And also do us a solid and let other Angels fans know about the podcast. It's going to be critical for us to keep our listeners over the winter break. So we're going to be covering everything from Arizona League to, well, that's right, the hot stove action, the winter meetings coming up, new things coming the Angels' way. So there you go. Follow us. Stick with us. We'll be here all winter long. A couple programming changes here. Um, had somebody mention this to us on on Twitter, and that was, Hey, you guys really three. You have a three-person team now. You really should. You guys should be able to be to do a podcast regularly. It's not that simple because uh, I happen to be the one who normally does the editing and does all the stuff, and and I'm going to be going the knife soon. So I've been really busy getting all school stuff ready ahead of time and getting ready to take a little bit of a leave of absence. These guys, namely Jared and John, will be around during that break and everything. But in the meantime, just. It's been a little bit difficult in my end. That's why it's been a little uneven for the last, well, basically since the injury. Can we, can we can trace it back to the injury, right, guys? That's when, it, that's when uh, programming got a little iffy. Your injury? Yes. Your injury? Yeah. yeah. That part was part of it. You know, I mean, yeah. hey, I mean, I'm not, with all with all respect, I mean, we, we do try, we try, but, you know, we do, we, we all work. We all, <laughs> we all have, we, we have families, you and I. Jared's a young man. He's uh but uh, we do a our best. Buck. We try and we'll, and we'll, we'll continue to. So when we need to squeeze one in. We'll do an extra one, and so just you know, from now on, we're for the time being, we're a weekly podcast. If something big happens during the middle of the week, we'll do a midweek podcast. You know, so let's just say by chance, a certain somebody in the front office or knock on anybody else. Uh, geez, if they lose their job, we'll be here. We'll do a podcast for that. If there's a big hiring, a big signing, we'll be here for that. We'll still be here, but for winter, one of the weeks, we'll do it Sundays. And that way, we're good to go. Okay. Oh, geez. We were just talking about so much even before the show started. A couple things we want to get to. The basics of it. Angels finished 72 and 90. Fourth in the AL West. Their worst season since, I believe, before Mike Socha. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Jared, you being a younger fan, I'm not even sure you remember those first years that Mike Socha was in charge. I think you were probably in diapers. But what can you tell us about how this team went 72-90 this year? 
Well, it's simple. It is simple as it gets. The injuries just just decimated them. Um, you know, they if, if you stay healthy, this team is at least close to a 500 team, if not better than a 500 team. But you know, the injuries, even dating back to last year, that kind of you know Otani being injured, um, not being able to pitch hurts. Uh, Upton starting off the season on the DL, missing the first what was it, 50 games or so of the season hurts. Um, and then finishing off the season, even though the Angels weren't in it, you look at the lineups that they were throwing out there, and you know it's 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 rough. You know, no no, um, it, it was just rough injury wise. And then of, of course the pitching staff that whether it's the uh, the bullpen was really good early, uh, the the starting rotation wasn't great um, all the way through. It's going to be something that they're going to need to address this off season, and I expect them to, as we've talked about many times. But you know, just all around, it is injuries and. No starting pitching is just not a great, great uh, recipe for success. We've hit on that so many times this year. And the one question I keep seeing get asked, though, is will the Angels actually pull the trigger and get somebody here who can help this team long term and not the bargain bin, quote unquote, deals? And I think while the question's annoying, while the question is annoying, I do believe. It's a fair question to ask because they've really, they've really done. Well, I won't say they've done a good job. I was about to say, but they didn't not this year. But overall, they've been out there for the last three or four years finding bargain bin stuff, and sometimes they work. This year they didn't, and now you're at this point where this team is seventy two and ninety, and you've kind of hit a roadblock with as far as you can go with what you have. So, John, I'll start with you. What do you think? Is this something that you see? You you really honestly think that beyond one hundred percent doubt that Epler will take a shot on this summer, this winter? Uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, yes, I will. He would shot. Are you saying take a shot? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They took a shot last year. It didn't work. It, 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 didn't, it didn't hit anything. But they did take a shot last year. But this year, they are going to go all out. This None of this one-year contract uh, stuff. Uh, this is a this is a, a game changing year. This is they're gonna get two starters. Um, hopefully Garrett Cole. You know, I mean that that's a dream. Um, they're gonna get they're gonna go after catchers. They're gonna have results this year if they don't. And again, if they don't have results, I, I jaws are just gonna be dropped. I mean the way that the way that people are uh, you know so upset, just wanting to. I, this is. You know, Brad Osmus, gosh darn it, it's his first season, and he had a dreadful, the pitching was dreadful. And this pitching staff has always been, last year our pitching staff wasn't good. The year before, we had these players that have potential, potential, but they never, you know, God bless Andrew Heaney, God bless Tyler Skaggs, you know, they, 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 they never really reached ace status. And hopefully Heaney will next year. He'll live up to his potential. But we, but if we can get a couple top-rate, top-notch uh, pitchers who already have achieved that to add to, and we get and we get a healthy season of Otani, we are a better team. We are a better team. That's that's still a whole bunch of ifs. You know, that's the problem that, that I would concern me with is if Otani. We don't even know how his sores are reacting. We have no idea what kind of pitcher he'll be when he gets back. If they can actually win the sweepstakes for, say, a Cole or somebody else, they still have to do that. And I think sometimes with when we're playing armchair quarterback or fantasy guru, 
we think that well, we can just trade this person for this person, this person for this one. We can just sign this person. We'll get this player. It's not so cut and dry. Other teams are factors. Other other issues are factors as well. And you hope that will happen. You hope that they go up there and spend the money for it. But I, I still have doubts as to whether or not they can do that. Whether, whether or not they can get done. Whether they can get done or not. But, Jared, what are your thoughts here? It, it, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, the ifs, and it's it's kind of a battle of winning those ifs, um, in a way, because you can go to any any franchise in, in the in the game and say, well, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, then you're a playoff contender, you're a World Series contender, you're going to win the World Series. I mean, you you can say that with you can say that with anybody. You know, you, you look at the Yankees, if they continue to play this well with the guys they've been given, they're going to go and win a World Series. Or, you know, same thing with the Astros. If Garrett Cole decides to come back, you know, or if he doesn't, or if Zach Grinke ages wrong, or, you know, the, the Astros aren't, they're a great team. They're not a for sure next year. They're getting a lot of guys older, they're, you know, everything. So the if game is going to be interesting. Um, you also got, you guys also brought up the fact that, um, that they're going to go out and take some risks. They went out and took, well, they, they're going to go out and do the same thing last year. They were in on everybody last year. Um, the year before, I went back and I looked a little bit, and they there wasn't too much out there. I mean, Eric Hosmer, you Darvish, those type of guys were out there to go sign the year before in 2018, but there wasn't, there wasn't much out there to go sign. That's when you went and signed uh, Zach Cozart to what was a pretty good deal, in my opinion, uh, coming off a good year. So... But uh, but yeah, if if you're looking at what you what you think the Angels are going to do this this off season with it, they're gonna they're gonna go out, and I'm gonna continue with my trend that I started a couple podcasts ago. They're gonna spend early and spend often, and once those guys are you know free agents, or once it becomes official, they're free agents. It, the Angels are going to be in on it. It's going to be you know everybody, every pitcher available. Wouldn't surprise me if they were in on outfielders, if they were in on infielders, if they were in on trades. I mean, it's it's. Honestly, the Angels are going to be the most fascinating team this this off season to watch, and I'm I'm really excited for it. I mean, as much as the season was great, I think this off season is going to be even better, and there's going to be a lot of hype going into um, going into next season with Otani coming back and hopefully some starting pitching. So, well, that's the thing you, you're saying fast. I think the Angels are fascinating too because, in my view, right where they are with the farm system right now, they are kind of at a wall. The guys they have that are on the cusp aren't really ready quite yet. We've seen that this month. They're they're going to be there, at least to be able to like contribute at some point here very soon. They'll be ready. The pitchers might take a little longer, but they don't have a whole lot in terms of fully ready major league talent that can get you competing now, that are going to make a difference now. So free agency would serve to fill that gap, and that's why the Angels are so fascinating because you can see the fix right in front of you. You know what they need to do. Everybody knows what they need to do. The question is whether or not they'll be able to do it and whether they'll be able to get the guys that they need to get. And by the way, I just want to note that sometimes we as onlookers think this is the guy to get. This is the perfect guy to get. And in the end, it's never that way at all. A guy that comes to mind is Dallas Keuchel. So many Angels fans wanted the Angels to get him, but if we think about what the Angels do, what they're looking for in a pitcher right now, was he the right guy for them? Was he? 
John? No. Well, I, I think they, I think they always look at it. I think they look at it as the as the one that worked out on another team. Oh, why didn't we get him? Why didn't we get him? They never look at the team who signed the guy who didn't work out and say, well, why didn't we get him? And it's the same. The same. The fans are, are really, you know, I mean, I, you know, they're 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 really frustrated. I just say that they're really frustrated and they're throwing out names every day. You know, calling for you know everybody's all excited over Joe Madden, and uh, you know it's like I, I just don't. See see i don't see how well let me just ask you because we were saying if 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 but let me if if jared or derek if we got added two starters this year let's say we we had dallas keichel or and and somebody another quality starter this year do you think we would have made the playoffs well dallas keichel wasn't even that good this year uh in, in atlanta to be fair uh are you going out and like if you say well in a theory world like do i really think do you really think we were just two starters like two quality starters away i guess you can't really write it because skags with skags passing away it kind of you know i don't know you know if you count that but i mean we were on the cusp of making the playoffs at one point in this season and then it all fell down it all fell down and i think that had a lot to do with our pitching i don't know am i wrong or right no, you're 100 percent right. If if the Angels, the Angels are, you know, if Matt Harvey is decent this year, or if Trevor Cahill is decent this year, they're not what they were. I, I they're they're a lot closer than you know what they what they finished out being. Um, I mean, in in hindsight, obviously that that that's the case. But you know, if Matt Harvey is what he was in even in Cincinnati last year, he's you know a whole. He's he's a lot he's he's a lot better than what he was in in Anaheim. So you know yes, in in a way I, it, they were they were definitely much closer to being contenders and or much closer to being a playoff team if they had those two two or three couple pitchers that ended up being successful. And God forbid, I mean if Skaggs was still around, then yes, this team would have gone out and won a lot more games. But the injuries again decimated you know you can't you, you can't of course blame the injuries but you can at the same time because it was just they were just bombarded by it but but yeah i think if you add two good pitchers that put up you know better numbers than what cahill and what harvey put up then yes i think they were a lot closer to a playoff team than what they ended up being and i mean a record aside from what they what they were because their record is not does not reflect on what this ball club is at all um, then yes, I think they were a lot closer. I think they were. They probably would have been tied, you know, at a wild card spot at, when they were two and a half back going. In, I think it was going into All Star break, right? I think they would have been a lot closer to that. So do they keep up? Would do they keep up with? You know, are they are they at ninety? I don't know how many games. Um, you know, they uh, Tampa Bay or Oakland one. I'm kind of off on that, but. They, are they that team? No, probably not. But they are a lot closer. You know, they're probably closer to Boston for sure. Well, Boston wins any four games. I, I don't know. I, I think good pitching takes you deep, and and some just think of this way: the Angels finish. The number is seventy-two and ninety, which means there's a a nine-game breaker there. If nine games go the Angels' way, they're five hundred team. Now, I can look at the course of August and September without most of their stars, without Shohei and Trout and Upton. All those guys, they all go out. They're gone. I can see that nine games being made up and them being around 500 team. 
actually pretty easily. Here's the problem. The pitching was still horrible. The pitching being that bad, you can't really expect more than that. Actually, considering the fact they went 72 and 9 with as bad as this pitching staff was, I think it's a credit, honestly. People are going to think I'm nuts. They're going to think I'm crazy. But there so are. People I'm crazy. So. Well, I mean, you're going to think of it. You know, Detroit goes 100, loses 111 games. The Royals lose a ton of games. All these guys, lose, all these teams lose 100 games plus. Not many of them can pitch. So that tells you how bad a team can be without solid hitters and bad pitching. The Angels didn't pitch at all this year. Despite all the injuries and all the changes to the lineup, they still were competitive into August where they fell apart. And even so, to me, when he's saying two games, it's not good. Do not, do not in any kind of way misinterpret or even for, for a few people out there, twist what I'm saying. It's not a good record at all. It's a bad record. But... It could have been a lot worse in terms of record. This could have been a 65-win team, a 60-win team, very easily with as bad as pitching was this year with all the injuries to the lineup. And I don't want to sit there and say, well, then Alston did a good job because I don't know what kind of job Alston did. This team was so battered with all these different things that happened. It's very hard to measure the quality of a job that Alston did. It's man, People are going to say he sucks. I, he didn't like him here. He didn't like what he did here. That's fine. I don't like a lot of things, I didn't like a lot of things Mike Sosha did. He did a lot of things that people, people are praising. Look, see, this is, you know, you shared that tweet today, John, that, you know, missed me yet for Mike Sosha. And to me, we all loved Mike Sosha. But if we all were going to say that Mike was flawless, no, Mike made mistakes. Joe Madden just got fired from the Cubs. I can tell you many, many, many people who were all after, all after Joe Mad within a month of the start of the 2017 season. This is him after he won the 2016 World Series of the Cubs. Within a month of 2017, fans are going after him in Chicago. It's unbelievable to me. It's unbelievable. So there is no perfect manager. There is no perfect team. And considering all the factors, I can say 72 and 90, it's not good, but it's respectable considering all that went down. John? Did you, you know, I look at, I read the, I don't know if you saw the Jeff Fletcher article regarding um, uh, Doug White and his pitching. How he basically yeah. takes a lot of the, takes a lot of the, uh, uh, on his shoulders and says, you know, that he, it was a whole new process that these pitchers learned that, that he, that he brought in and the whole different, it kind of reminded me reading the article, it reminded me of watching Moneyball, my favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite movies where he's showing them like, you know, no, you don't swing at that. You swing at this. He's showing him videos and he's like, you know, the, cause that's the, and so he basically, you know, the article says, you know, these guys, there was a lack of communication and, you know, he takes a blame that, and he also says that, you know, that it took him a while to realize that some of these guys hadn't caught on. Cambridge Ocean said, you know, we were, we were behind and none of them really understood until he finally learned that they didn't understand. And so, I mean, that that would be devastating to a pitching staff, which I don't think, I'm not saying we had a quality pitching staff, but understanding that there was a whole change of philosophy that they had to deal with along with perhaps some of their limited skills. Like I guess Andrew Heaney came around at the end and really liked, uh, liked Doug White. So I don't know if you blame him cause he's bringing another, he's actually taking the, he's kind of taking a little blame, but uh, so as much as we blame, I guess I blame their talent and everybody blames the talent of our pitching staff. 
this, I think, definitely played a part in their lack of success. I'd say this, and just to kind of cap that with Doug White, with Doug White, I'd say you're talking about, well, I, I look at the players and Doug White's beating himself up. Listen, it's called leadership, okay? If you are a manager, if you're a teacher, if you are a police officer, if you're whatever, at some point where you're employed, where you work, the job you do, you lead. You are a leader. At some point in that position, if you're a pitching coach and you're in charge of, of instructing these kids, and most were kids, and leading them to, into becoming major league pitchers, productive ones, then yeah, man, you got responsibilities there. And if to me, what I'm hearing that, when I'm seeing what he said, that's him saying, you know what? I didn't do the job either. And he's right to say that. If he was unable to get these pitchers to buy into what he was preaching, then there's ownership there, and it's not just on those pitchers. It's on him because you have to be the one to reach across the lines and convince these guys that, hey, they got to follow you. they got to follow you down that path. So, you know, I don't want to be too hard on Doug White because you are putting a new system in, but he's the pitching coach. That's his job. It's his job, and it's his job to get them to buy in, period. End of story. So, also, among the different things and news coming out this week, LaStella returns this week. Tom LaStella after three months. was a little bit longer than we thought he'd be out, but he is back, finished the year. Albert Pujols did actually have a nice season in terms of health and is even, quote-unquote, looking forward to his final two years. The contract actually was a, a meme out today where it was quoting him showing he could play until he's 50. <laughs> Jared? How do you feel about Albert playing till he's 50? Well, he's no Tom Brady, I'll tell you that. But, I mean, this season alone, it, it's it's definitely interesting. He's He was, you know, he was definitely in the right, I guess, ball, ballpark in a way. Um, you know, he, he played 131 games this year, which, which was, you know, pro- probably a little bit more than I – personally would like to see him play but with given injuries and all that that happened he was healthy that's the big thing that matters um and for me in my opinion didn't have a great great season you know nothing to be you know overly hyped up about but like you said he was healthy and for a what is he a 39 year old who's played uh, you know, tw- almost 20 years now and has been in postseasons and has had numerous surgeries to play 130 games and to be healthy and hit tw- almost 20 or hit 23 home runs. You know, I guess you take that away as a uh, as a plus in a way. But uh, as I think, you know, I've said it before and I think a lot of people know and I don't think a lot of people understand it, though. He's so crucial in the clubhouse that it just you know it, it's it bothers me that people don't understand that you know i mean you look at who stands next to albert pujols during every national anthem and i i don't know if their lockers are next to each other but i would assume they got to be close to each other you know it, it's albert pujols is a fantastic teacher of the game and he is somebody that you know personally i'd love to just sit down and talk baseball with him for a year and see what he knows and pick his brain. Um, 
uh, on the field though you know not a not a fantastic season but it was good to see him healthy and it was good you know hopefully next year he break goes out and breaks some more records again you know because that's that's all that i uh, i'm excited for you know in that asset of the game so with him at least well albert goes 23 home runs 93 rbis this year i mean he almost got 100 rbis that's kind of hard to believe his 243 68 strikeouts, the big one for him, though, he'll be hit on all the time was grounding and double plays. He does that a lot. He's not fast anymore. To me, at 39 years old, hitting 23 home runs, 93 RBIs, I mean, that's wonderful. It's the batting average that's concerning to me. At 243, you want him to hit a little higher. And I know we're not a batting average league anymore. I know that we're not. It's still, to me, baseball, like I've, like I've already before, if you could hit – if you have a choice between hitting 350, sorry, 300, with a 350 OBP or 275 with a 375 OBP, which you, which you take? Uh, I don't. Uh, that's 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 a tough one for me. I don't. John, what do you got on that? Give me the numbers again, Derek. All right, I'm 300, a 300 batting average with 350 OBP. Uh-huh. Versus 275 batting average with a .375 OBP. I guess I'll go with the, the on base, right? Yeah, I'll go with the second one, right? Yeah, I'm, but I mean, see, I'm going yeah. hitting. Yeah. Because if if you have a higher OBP and lower average, that means you're getting more walks. It's great, wonderful, you're on base more. But when you're putting the ball in play and you're on base more that way, you're moving the baseball. You're moving, you're, if there are runners ahead of you, you're moving those runners more than just taking a walk. You know that means that tells me you're 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 getting more because you're not always you're unless you're a one hundred percent singles guy. I'm going to take the batting average every time. And pitchers for you more, by the way, if you're a three hundred guy versus two seventy five. So a two forty three hitter versus a two seventy five hitter, same thing is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at bat at two forty three with all those grounders into double plays. At some point here, I really wonder overall. If the if that twenty three home runs and nine three RBI are worth it, see the the problem with Albert Pujols is not I, who have we who have we who's you know Justin Bohr who have we put on first base that is better than Albert Pujols? Not me. He he's a solid solid player for his his salary is the problem. So if we could just get rid of his salary, would we be would we have as much a problem with having? Uh, Albert on first base. I'm sure there are people who do, but gosh darn, the guy it tries. The guy hustles. He runs when he's. I mean, he can't run, but you can tell he's running as hard as he possibly can. And again, the the intangibles that Jared just mentioned again that I also see. I see him standing on the on the field right next to Mike Trout. Are I mean, it's just his salary. Yes, if we could get rid of him, we could go get a uh, somebody who has similar stats to him and another. Uh, pitcher or you know whatever we're going to do with all that money that the money is the issue it's not necessarily did a a decent decent a decent uh season for a first baseman for the angels jared over uh, he ranked he ranked dead last amongst qualified um amongst qualified first baseman and fan graphs war he had a negative four negative 0.4 war uh you can take that how you want but like I said, ranked dead last in that category. And over the past five years, he's put up a negative 0.2 uh, Fangraphs war. So, 
You know, I mean, it's 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 tough to justify the contract. I'm not saying at all that the that the intangibles are worth that contract. It it, it just helps a, it helps it helps me sleep at night a little bit, think knowing that the best player on base in in the world stands next to Albert Pujols and trusts Albert Pujols with what he's talking about. Uh, so you know, but all in all, you know, not a, not a fantastic season for Albert. Um, he he's he was I can almost guarantee you he was the guy um, around the clubhouse when Skaggs passed. He was he was the guy everybody was looking towards. Him and Mike Mike Trout were the two guys I I can almost guarantee you that they, that everybody was looking towards. And so that that's that's you, you can take that how you want. I I think that Pujols played a bigger role than off the field this year and in, in the clubhouse than he did on the field. But you know, like I said, the 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 the, uh, the contract doesn't justify. You know, doesn't oh, justify. But that's not his fault. That's not his fault. It's kind of the Kobe Bryant final season. I mean, they offered him the contract, and he took the contract. And and uh, the expectation was to make the money at the beginning, to make to have the worth of it at the end, and to be. And we knew it was kind of going to be like this at the end. Um, but and I just I just wish fans could get over that. Well, he's pretty much oh. announced it. I, I ain't going anywhere. I'm I'm finishing out my contract. So, I mean, I don't uh, know. you never know that things change in a heartbeat, but I'll say this, you know, I don't two things. Don't forget what CJ Wilson told us about contracts. And this is something that major baseball, baseball teams do all the time. They back a them and in a lot of ways it makes sense because they, could they afford to pay out this kind of money 10 years ago? Probably not. Can they afford it now? Yeah. But the second part of it too, is like you bring up things like war, like war and a minus four in war. But you know what? How much of that was, for this season anyway, I'm not talking about overall because different story, but for this season was a case where Albert Pujols was in charge, was the, the big guy, the big dog in the lineup with everybody else out, with Trout out and with with Otani out and Upton out. All of a sudden, he's the quote-unquote best power hitter in the lineup. And don't tell me Cole Calhoun was him and his 160 strikeouts. That's not what happened. Okay, so... I would just say in this respect, I'm going to discount this year's war stat because of the fact that there are other factors in play. Like when he's playing this last month or month and a half of the season, the people he's playing with, they weren't they weren't the guys he needed. I'm just going to put that out there as well. Well, well, doesn't it doesn't it help, doesn't it hurt him more when he's got guys around him that because he's not going to get. He's. I mean, I guess he's going to get pitched to either way because if you're the only guy in the lineup, like he was the last month or so, and he wasn't wasn't great or anything, uh, if you are the only guy in the lineup, then you're not you're going to get pitched around a lot, which means he wasn't didn't have a great eye. I mean, I don't have any stats to back this up at all. I, I haven't looked. I mean, this is just off the top of my head how I'm thinking about this. And then when you have guys such as Trout. And Otani and Upton, a healthy Upton, and a Calhoun and a healthy Simmons around you, uh, then you're gonna get pitches to hit. And he wasn't. I mean, he was better early in the season than he was late in the season, correct? Yeah, but he wasn't. But well, he he was hot there for a stretch in in August, September, and then he cooled off at the end. But the reality with him was, teams weren't trying to pitch around him late. They were still pitching to him, but there was nobody protecting the lineup, and there was nobody for him to knock, and there's nobody to make pitchers nervous with Albert at the plate. That's what I'm talking about. If you got Mike Trout at the plate and 
Pujols hit in front of hit behind him, and then you have you know an up them behind Pujols or whatever behind Pujols, somebody to kind of offer a little bit of protection where you really have to try and, and throw strikes. It's different than a situation where there's nobody that scares you in the lineup. And and because like I said, Cole Calhoun doesn't scare me right now. When you're striking out like he is, he's only hitting two thirty one. Yeah, he hits three or three home runs this year, but that's pretty much it. He doesn't scare me. No, yeah, definitely. I, I I agree with you there on on that one. I had a I had a point to make. I can't remember what I was going to say about it though. Come come back to me on this one. I have come something. Back. We'll do the wraparound. Guys, yes. Foster John on Cole Calhoun. Well, I was talking about. I was talking about. About protection. Uh, That's what protection. They, what they, I don't. And now, yeah. Cole's adequate protection at this point when you're threatening as much as you are. Yeah, he isn't. The, the, the best protection, uh, well, that's for Mike Trout, is, is Shohei Otani. Um, but unfortunately, Shohei still doesn't get, doesn't play. Well, he was injured again now, so we lost him again. So, um, I mean, I'm glad that they, was it, wasn't it years that they used to have uh, uh, Mike Trout backing up uh, Albert Pujols? And then he had nobody behind him. Um, that's a, a big reason why Mike had such a nice. Well, I mean, he had a nice season. He had a good season, of course. <laughs> um, but because he finally, they finally put somebody behind him that could that could uh, force him to pitch at pitch at him. So, yeah. But in the same token, even Shohei struggled a lot this year. You know, all these are like looking at the lineup right now. The following players struck out more than hundred times. Mike Trout, one twenty. Shohei Otani. In only 384 bats, by the way, 110 strikeouts. Glue went with 135 games, 126. Calhoun 160. That's a lot of strikeouts for a team that was supposedly a contact team and very hard strikeout the rest of the year. But then you look at the rest of the staff, the rest of the team, and you can see like it wasn't. It was the other guys in the lineup that were be more. Sorry, I can't get the words out tonight. Shall I say mature? Like Simmons, Simba strikes out this year 36 times in 395 at-bats. That's pretty impressive. 591 at-bats for David Fletcher, 62 strikeouts. 287 at-bats for, for Tommy Estella, 27 strikeouts. You need those guys in the lineup every day to kind of offer that kind of protection for the, the big wig guys in terms of free outs because you know these guys aren't going to strike out often. And that was the kind of year it was you had power on one end, and, and only a couple of those guys hit for average. Everybody else is striking out and struggling to keep the ball in play, at least offensively. And then, of course, we know pitching problems. Oh, yeah. The, we, we can come back to what, what I was saying. I mean, the, the protection thing and everything, the, uh, the, this just kind of proves how you know good Mike Trout is in a way. I mean, he's making Albert Pujols better, which is not an easy thing to do at this point in his career. So Albert, Mike Trout is basically like the – Kobe Bryant of the Angels lineup in a way. I don't know. Is that a good, 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 good? Uh, in terms of good, making everybody better. Yeah, I mean, think about Kobe how makes everybody up. better. You lost. You lost me there. <laughs> I mean, Kobe was making his teams. But I mean, LeBron the same way. I mean, they might not put up the same stats as everybody, but they're making the guys around them better. You know, Kobe, LeBron, those guys. You know, they they were the ones, the point guards. You know, the the guys who. Who you know? Yes, they shot a lot, but they they made the guys around that team better. Um, and, and in a way, I guess I'm going to bring this back almost to the MVP. In a way, like you know, Mike Trout made his team better for this reason. I mean, you look at when Trout's obviously when Trout's in the lineup compared to when Trout's not in the lineup, the the offense is just 
not nearly as good where i mean you take a bregman in a way i guess i'm kind of going off in a tangent in a different direction here but you take bregman or you take lemay or anybody who you want to take out of a out of any of their lineups and they're probably still doing decently well right well yeah i think decently well but it's just one of those things with that uh there there's just you know in football it's a 53 man roster with a 46 man active in basketball it's 11 guys okay on a baseball team is 25. It's really hard to measure, well, Kobe this and LeBron this and make these guys better because when there's 25 players out there in the field for a baseball team, it's a lot to really say, especially when you have two different aspects in pitching and hitting. I'd say this. He made the lineup more... He made the lineup much more impressive than this if it was the average baseball player. Mike Trout makes everybody zoning on him when he's at the plate, when he's on the base pads, when he's coming up to the plate. And he changes the entire aspect of the game. So when Mike Trout's out with his Angels team, there's no way to survive without him. It's just, that's how I would view it. I wouldn't say it as he makes everybody better overall as a team. He makes that aspect of the team that much better. Without him, they were they weren't right. They just weren't right. Oh, yeah, De- no, definitely. And then on the strikeouts, uh, question for you guys: Where do you think the Angels rank this year uh, in strikeouts amongst the league? John, I'll say second in st- in strikeouts, like uh, offensive strikeouts, not pitching strikeouts, but oh, guys who struck out. Sorry. Oh well, I still say I still you don't. Oh. Okay, you got I think me. they then were I'll say I'll, fifth. I'll say fifth. What and 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 most strikeouts or fewest strikeouts. Um, I don't. I don't know what you. Are, are, you, talking, are, are you saying are you fewer strikeouts? The, more, the most strikeouts or the least? Yes. Yeah, most strikeouts. Where do you think they ranked? Um, the top half, bottom half, middle half. I mean, where, where well, do you in terms think of most strikeouts, strikeouts, I'd say probably the bottom half. Like last I checked, they were second or third lowest in the league. I, I think I get where you're going with that with that question. But <laughs> are we right towards the bottom of the league in terms of most strikeouts? Yeah, they had the they had the. 28th most strikeouts, I guess, you know, third least strikeouts mm-hmm. in all of baseball. So, really? Yeah. In, in a way, you know, you, you're you're right. They had Otani who struck out a lot and, you know, but in Calhoun. the same aspect, yeah, Calhoun and Trout struck out and, you know, Pujols is not striking out that much either for some reason. I don't know why I said Pujols. But, uh, but, but yeah, you know, in, in, in a way, they, I think they did pretty well on the strikeout side. I mean, well, I think it picked up a lot, a little bit more than it was at the beginning of the season because they were on a historic pace at the beginning of the season, but I, I think they still finished out, you know, where they kind of you know wanted to be. So, well, if you're talking about the the overall, but this season was kind of split two ways. They're going from April into July, early August. They were not just in first place in terms of fewest strikeouts; they were destroying the league in fewest strikeouts, and then everybody started swinging. All of a sudden, it went from being one on one side of the spectrum to the complete and total other side of the spectrum, and that's where I'm getting at. So the numbers to me are deceptive because the team they were going from April, May, June, and July is not the same hitting team they were in late July, August, September, in terms of how they were with discipline at the plate. I mean, in August especially, they were awful. In August, especially, they were awful. 
I remember, you guys remember this? Garrett Cole going out there and striking out. I thought it was at 15. He struck out like 10 today, didn't he? And Verlander struck out 12 last night, I think. Yeah, yeah so they, had I mean, game, yeah. it's just not those numbers. If you're looking at the guys like Fletcher and so on and so forth, they stuck it through the entire way of the year. But our sluggers just started going hard at the end of the year. And part of that is getting Upton back because Upton brought a lot of those strikeouts in. But overall, that lineup is dynamic change because it became much more aggressive towards power hitting at the end of the year. We're all you. silent here. I'm, did, I, did I get you speechless? <laughs> well, yeah. No, but, yeah. I mean, but tell me I'm wrong. Freaking tell me I'm wrong. I mean, the, I don't know they're just that. a different I mean, lineup than they were. They were, to me, when they were a team. This whole team was a different team than when we started with. It's, it's, it's uh, almost from top to bottom. No, but that's what I'm saying is I, I got where Gerald was going with it, but it was like the tale of two teams. And and because everybody in that line could be trusted to make contact in that early part of the year, they were a much bigger threat. And then when they all started, I, what I think happened is when they felt things slipping away and that pitching staff was falling apart, I think the main power here is in this team started pressing. I, I think Mike Trott was pressing. I think that's the reason why we saw his power numbers go up, but his average go down was because he was looking more for the home run ball. He was looking more for the big play because we needed big plays. We needed runs now because that pitching staff was giving up a gajillion a game. That's what. Well, that's what happens when yeah when you're when you're struggling when the season is going so poorly everybody's going to be trying to play over their heads. I mean, that's been I my theory. Just, I agree with your point. I agree with your point. Well, but let's see. Let's see. Does Jared have a counter? Dun dun dun. No, no. You're, you're right. Since from the All Star break, they were they were. I mean, middle of the road in strikeouts. I went from the All Star break intentionally. I, I don't have an exact date on the Dodger series because I think that's when you really want to count. You know, if you want to say like a halfway point, and not really halfway point, but where the season splits, it was that Dodger series. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're right. That was it. I don't have an exact date on that, but yeah, you know, they were middle of the road on strikeouts from the all-star break on, but they were not a great hitting team at, at all. You know, they batted, you want to go by a batting average, they batted 227, which was with the worst in baseball from the all-star break, it looks like. Yeah, they were the worst uh, hitting team that way. They had a 304 on base percentage, which was the third worst. Uh, they didn't slug well either. They had the worst slugging percentage in baseball from the all-star break. And they had the worst, uh, nah, they, they were the second, third worst in WRC plus, which is not great with 80 and 85 WRC plus from the break on. So yeah, no, you're right. And they, you know, but the, the walk stayed pretty consistent though too, but no, but you're, you're completely, uh, you're completely right. So one more thing we got to go. One more thing here is getting late and we really want to get this podcast out. Ken Rosenthal talks this week about, the Angels and Joe Madden. I'm going to go right to John on this because I know John has some passionate feelings about Mike Socha's tenure all those years. Where do you see the Angels going here with Joe Madden? Is it a possibility to you? Is it not? And then I'll follow up with Jared and, and I'll finish it off. Well, I thought it was an impossibility. I didn't think it was possible. Um, I just look at Joe Mann. I mean, Joe Mann's name has been thrown out all the, the year for several years now with Mike Sosha. You know what? Because he was on Sosha. You know, it's 
He's won one World Series. Mike Sosha's won one World World Series. So everybody wanted Mike Sosha's head to replace him with uh, Joe Madden, and and a lot of fans give say that he's responsible for the World Series at the Angels more than than um, again. I'm talking maybe perhaps irrational fans, but that's the kind of stuff that you read online. Um, so I. Again, I, I just stand, I can't believe that I'm that I have that I to this date still am defending Brad Osmus only in the fact that I don't think he got a fair a fair shake. Um, I guess you're saying though this is Joe Madden if he's available. Um, I, I wouldn't be upset either way. I just don't think it's fair to Brad Osmus because I don't think this season was a fair shake. I say there's. I don't want to say zero percent chance because if I've learned anything in baseball, anything can happen. But there's pretty dang close to a zero percent chance of this happen of anything like this happening. Does it? Does it make sense? Maybe kind of, but I don't. I just don't see it happening at all. What what Rosenthal came out with. Um, I. The trade a, a trading of Brad Osmus makes more sense than just bringing Madden in like that. But, but yeah, you know, it's, um, I don't, I don't see it. I, I give it like a 1% chance. I just, I'm not, I'm not seeing it as much as the fans want it. I, you know, and as much as Artie might want to win right now, I just don't, I don't think it's the right move. I don't think it's a smart move. I just don't, I don't see it at all. Expand on, expand on trade. That's interesting. Trade the manager. I think, I think Peter Gammons brought it up and it's an interesting, interesting scenario because according to him the Padres wanted Osmus uh, a couple years ago uh, and now of course Andy Green's out there so he he proposed a trade of Brad Osmus for Will Myers I haven't looked into Will Myers very much I know the contract is pretty not ideal and I don't know if the Angels would want to take that on especially since they need pitching but it's Interesting to say the least. I don't think it's happening. I can't even remember the last time really a, a manager's got traded. It's been such a long time. I, I may I don't know. It might have been Ozzy Guillen. I think right. I could be wrong. Ozzy Ozzy Guillen down to Miami. Maybe I don't. I don't remember. I think it was that though. I think it was Ozzy. It was, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. I don't. I just don't see it happening. It's interesting though. It's an interesting concept, but I just don't think the Angels are in that type of role. I, I think Billy Epler breeded in a way. Brad Osmus as an assistant GM to do what he thought was right and how this organization would or how this team was built to win. Uh, I think that, you know, unfortunately, under the circumstances that he, he, he didn't get the fair shake, like you said, and I totally agree with that. And I just I don't I don't see a managerial change happening. And we would have I think we would have already heard about it, to be honest. I think that it would have came out today if they wanted to change managers. So I don't think it comes out today if they're going to change managers. I think that it can happen in the blink of an eye. Clint Hurdle can tell you that. When a couple of days ago he was told he was staying and now he's being fired. I look at it this way. It's really about who's out there. And everybody's pointing at Joe Madden. Like Joe Madden's the guy. He's he was the one who came up with this organization and, and you know did much of the scouting and did much of the development, did much of all this stuff. And they're absolutely right. But since then, this organization has gone in a different direction. One more that's focused on analytics and not on the old quote-unquote social way of doing things. And it's difficult for me to think that a 65-year-old Joe Madden 
is going to want to come back to the Angels when their current philosophy is more about mixing analytics with the old-time feel than just where Joe Madden was from. Now, I'm not saying Joe Madden isn't into analytics, but it's still a differing philosophy in terms of where he came from. That's what would concern me about Madden. I think that's why so many people are considering Madden as, yes, it's a given, angels, 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 when I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's the case at all. It's a different philosophy between the two sides. And the only way that Madden would ever be an Angels manager at this point would be if the Angels were willing to bend a little bit and Madden were really willing to bend quite a bit because the Angels just can't abandon the philosophies they've been going towards, especially since that's the same direction that baseball is going. And also, one more thing, is do the Angels really want to bring in a 65-year-old manager at this point when you have a large, young core on its way to the majors now. This team is getting younger. It's getting younger quickly. And do you want a younger manager that can help work with them? Or do you want this guy who's not going to be there for very long? Joe Madden, again, 65 years old. He's not managing forever. He's not going to be around for 15, 20 years. You would get maybe five good years out of him, maybe a little more. And then he's going to be going down, down his road as well. So I'm just saying, to me, the shoe doesn't fit right now. It just doesn't fit. Yeah, I mean, if I could say one one more thing on this, I, I think that Billy Epler and Theo Epstein are more similar than most people realize, and I think that Joe Madden would understand the what the philosophy is, and you know, starting over new and all that. Um, but you know, you, you said it perfectly. I just don't think the shoe fits right now. I don't think it's there. All right, all that in mind, folks, it is time for us to hit the road. A couple things. I just want to note that Mark Langston was back in the same today. That is a big deal for Angels fans. It's kind of a positive note to end the year. We almost lost Mark from the Angels family. We also want to quickly point out that today's a day that John Crane got to meet Tim Salmon. And I'm very sad that I was not there for that because he got to meet the Kingfish. The Kingfish. And he, he rejected your card. Is that right? Well, he didn't. Yeah, see, we talked about it. The way I presented it, I don't know. I was just, I'm just a fan, and I'm just a fan guy. I get nervous around. I had a big week. I went to batting practice, and my wife and children got to take a picture with David Fletcher, and I got to meet uh, Jeff Fletcher, and and uh, I got to meet Scott Boris, and he uh, was not very, I offered to buy him a hot dog if he'd give us a uh, an inside out for a Garrett Cole, and he said that's his decision very sternly, but he smiled big in the, in the picture. Anyways, <laughs> back to your to your guy. Uh, yeah, so it was. I had a fun week. I did. That was the only player. Uh, uh, David Fletcher was the only player that we that approached us. That and, uh, and then we ended up going to a signing of his on Saturday. So, anyways, but back to back to um, back to uh, the Kingfish. Yes, salmon. Jeez. Salmon. So I stood behind. I'll be posting pictures later of me holding up talking halos cards behind them at the post game show, and uh, but he was very cordial. He walked out. He actually signed some balls. I wish I'd had a ball with me. I'd had him sign it. He was more than willing to sign balls, and then. Me, I just, I'm such a fan guy. I'm so nervous and shaking and stuff. I had a, one of our cards and I was just going to say, hey, if you want to be, you know, if you had a half hour during the, the uh, off season and he, as soon as he saw the card, he recoiled and he was like, no. 
And I was like, eee. but uh, so I put the card back and he was like, no. And then so I didn't even really get to, to mention what I just uh, to invite him on the show. But he was very cordial, as you'll see in the picture. Anybody who goes to our website, to our Twitter site, you'll see uh, me standing next to a very uh, handsome, smiling uh, Tim Salmon, <laughs> Kingfish. And uh, so that was I had a big week. He probably had no idea what that card really was. He probably had no idea you're talking about it from the podcast. He never he saw were, the card. He never yeah. really saw the card. So you're yeah, trying to sell him something was, or something, yeah. Yes. I think he thought I was asking wanted him to endorse something or something like that. He really didn't get to see the card. So, no, I don't judge him on it at all, but I didn't push it. I was just happy. He was very nice. And like I said, he signed balls. He was a, a first-class guy, first-class guy. That he is. Jared, out of curiosity – who was your Angels hero growing up? Angels hero growing up? I mean, I guess I kind of, in a way, I mean, I went to church with Rex Hudler. So he was always a guy that I looked up to, a guy that I, my dad made me model the game after. Because, I, I mean, I never saw Rex play, but my dad said he was always 100% everywhere he went. And, I, you know, in the press box, you can tell he's kind of the same way. So... You know, I mean, in a way, Rex was, you know, a big, big influence in my game. Um, but, I mean, if, if I had to, you know, really, like, have an influence, Pedro Martinez or Roger Clemens were big. I know they're not Angels guys, but those guys were big on, you know, the int- like how I how I pitched and such. So probably probably those three were the, the three biggest, you know, for, for me. So Wait, wait, Roger Clemens, so... Among your influences with Roger Clemens would have been, you know, a certain steroid cream. <laughs> no, no. Oh. If you guys see me, I'm, I'm six foot, uh, you know, a buck seventy, soaking wet, um, with shoes on. So I'm not. There's, there's no, uh, no steroids going on here. But you know, he was just both him and Pedro were both fantastic pitchers. I, I kind of modeled how I pitched, you know, my wind up after both of them in a way, and you know, it seemed to work a little bit. So. I, I miss the Wonder Dog. He was uh, Rex Hudler. He was he was such a high energy guy. He was so fun I, when he was in the booth uh, with us. Uh, he brought a lot of energy to the to the and, and to the team. I, I I do miss him. Well, I miss him in the booth too. But that said, the guys that the Angels have in the booth now are outstanding. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't saying. I mean, well, I didn't say you were. I just want to point out because as much as I miss Rex and so on, I, I remember Rex though. Sometimes he was a little over the top. Sometimes he was off when he had his, his announcements. Well, his um his commentary was sometimes just off. Like it didn't make sense with Terry and Mark and man, those guys are outstanding, dude. I mean, Gooby, all those guys are just really, really among the best in the league. And so these are blessed over the course of not just this tenure but Rex's tenure overall to have had a really great announced team. And they have always been very good. You don't realize how good they are. I enjoy guys who just jump all over the place, kind of sporadic. You never know what they're going to say, and they're kind of sound disorganized. I, oh. I think that I think that's a good addition to any podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a talking staple. about you're, you're modeling yourself here. All right, so here we go, folks. It's time for us to go. Uh, thanks for, uh, for for tuning in. Sorry for the brief brief disappearance. We'll see you all next Sunday. Before we do go, though, if we are looking for sponsors, and if you do. If you do like what we do and you'd like to do some business with us, reach out to us at talkinghalos.gmail.com and you can also leave a voicemail at 657 Leave your name, number, we'll get back to you. Also, 
We're part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Check out this promo from Big Heads Media on their latest podcast. Here it is. All right, everybody on the train, all aboard. You snooze, you lose. Buy my loot boxes. Not you. Get off the train. Don't let him on. Oh, okay. All right, listen here, Greenhorn. I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about how to conduct a podcast. First thing you need to know is never stay on topic ever. Uh, sir. What do you want? Uh, people are complaining about the Venom movie still. I don't care. Feed them Justice League or something. Get them off my back. Copy. Sir, it says in the book that you need to stay on topic as a podcast. Screw the book, Greenhorn. The book was written by dinosaurs. Second thing you need to know is never report news that's not at least two or three weeks old. Uh, sir. What do you want? People are complaining about the Pokemon Go update. I don't care. Just... Gag them! Or something! Shut them up! On it. Uh, sir? What do you want, Greenhorn? I think the train might be going off the rails. That's exactly how we run this show. This is the Crazy Train of Thought podcast, brought to you by the Idiot Savants. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. www.crazytrainofthought.com Alright guys, it's time for us to go. Any final thoughts, Jared? I uh, go Astros. I don't know. You know, that's that's tough to say that. Go Braves, I guess. If I had to pick two, I said at the beginning, you know, I, that's what the World Series I want. So go Astros, go Braves, um, go win a World Series. Somebody's going to win, right? I bet somebody will win. I'm a little salty <laughs> about the Astros after the whole Luke Roy thing. I'm not going to lie. I'm still salty about it. Go Astros. You know, I, I'm, you know where I'm going, Derek. Where am I going? Come on. Who, who am I rooting for in this World Series? Yankees. There you go. Yankees. All and right. the Dodgers The Dodgers would be sweet team to take down. Uh, I mean, but I'm actually a guy who would actually just prefer the Dodgers get eliminated before the World Series. But it would sure be nice if, if it was the Dodgers-Yankees. Uh, I'd enjoy that World Series. But, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going Yankees. I'm going. I don't know who's going to win this thing. I think it's tough to pick this year, but team, none of you guys talked about that. I'm, I'm really shooting for here is the Twins. 101 wins. They gave teams a lot of problems this year that they can hit the cover off a ball. I like watching the Twins. So there you go. I'll be the different guy here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos. You can also search for our page on Facebook. You can find me, Derek C. Paul at DC Paul. You can find John at J Screen John and. Jared Timms at Jared underscore Timms. Don't forget Jared's work over there at Diamond Digest, folks. Good stuff. I promise. We're also available on Apple Music, Spreaker, you name it, we're there. So for all the team here, John, Jared, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. We'll talk to you next Sunday unless someone gets fired. We're out. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.